Amen. We are glad that you're here today. Would you look to your left or to your right and just tell whoever's beside you, you sure are glad to see them in church today. Would you do that? And tell them welcome. Maybe nobody's told them that they're welcome yet. Yeah. Thank the Lord. It's good to see you today. And of course, we we have some who I'm sure are here for the first time. We have others we haven't seen for a while. And then we have some who are here practically every Sunday. Doesn't matter who you are, we're glad that you're here. God bless you. We welcome you today in the name of Jesus. Of course, the word of the day is resurrection. Amen? And that's what Easter is all about. And it is a big deal. Did you know that the resurrection was a big deal? The resurrection is such a big deal that the Apostle Paul says that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, our salvation is futile and we are still in our sins. Now chew on that one for a while. That's what Paul told him. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, our salvation is useless. And we are still dead in our sins. That's why I'm glad I can stand here today and tell you with no doubt in my mind that Jesus rose from the dead. For hundreds of years, people have tried to offer proof that Jesus did not rise. And not one bit of proof has surfaced that he did not rise. It was not a hoax. He rose from the dead just like the Bible said he would. Just like he said he would. And today we serve indeed a risen Savior. So this morning, let there be no doubt, you are in a church today that believes in the resurrection. Well, let me go a little bit farther than that. You're in a church today that believes in the Bible. If it's in here, we believe it. Amen? Amen. I don't have the right to tear out certain portions I might not be fond of. If it's in the Word of God, we accept it. No man has the right to dilly-dally around with the Bible and pull out the parts he doesn't like and tear this out and disagree with that. You're either a Bible believer or you're not. And we are in this church. We accept the Bible, the Word of God. And this morning, the Lord has laid on my heart some thoughts about the resurrection that I want to share with you. I have no way of knowing, I had no way of knowing who would be here today. Now, did I? Sure, I have. I never have a clue who's going to be here, to be honest with you. We never know. But I do know that the Lord has laid this thought on my mind, what I'm going to share with you today. And I know that he knew you would be here today. Yes. So therefore, I can confidently say that what I'm about to share with you over the next few moments, you need, because he knew you'd be here, and he, he laid this on my heart to share it. So I'm going to ask you to think with me attentively today. As I share some thoughts about the resurrection. Hopefully everybody here believes in the resurrection. Now getting excited about the resurrection. That's a different situation altogether. We like to come to church on Easter Sunday. And we rejoice over the fact that he's risen. 
But in large measure, we go the rest of the year and we don't think too much about the resurrection. Or I should say our resurrection. Because the deal is this. Because he rose from the dead, we someday will rise from the dead too. If we're believers in him. Amen. Amen. In other words, we're going to have our own resurrection. And we, we get some sense of satisfaction and we get a blessing and we're encouraged when we talk about how that Jesus was crucified on a cross very similar to this one and he was laid in a grave and he was wrapped in the, in the, the clothes there, the grave clothes that they put on people in that day and the tomb was sealed and he was, he was dead. He died on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples. The Bible says he appeared to over 500 at one time. There's undeniable proof, folks. You can't, you can't say it didn't happen when 500 saw it, right? That's one of the reasons they never were able to discount his resurrection because there were too many people who said, I saw him and I know he's alive. So it's not hard to really appreciate and get excited about the resurrection in that sense. But when we start thinking about our own resurrection, it occurs to me that we don't get too excited about that. And I think I know the reason. Because you have to die before there's a resurrection. So therefore, we tend not to think about too much about dying and and the resurrection that follows. It really doesn't get us... Uh, maybe as excited as it should. But this morning, I'm going to turn to a different perspective of the resurrection. Not your resurrection. How many of you believe you're going to rise one day? Yeah. If you're a Christian, if you're born again believer, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they may hold your funeral in this church or some other church. You're in a funeral home. And your body be laid in the grave, but when the Lord comes back in the trumpet sound, you're going to, you're going to rise. Amen. We believe that. You're going to rise. We believe in the resurrection. But that's not the aspect of the resurrection that I want to focus on today. That being as glorious as it is, I'm going to focus on something that's much more germane to where we live every day of our lives. And hopefully we'll be able to bring that across that uh, in a way that we can understand it. Resurrection means to raise up, to lift up, to elevate, or to give life to, to resurrect. But it occurs to me that there may be another perspective that's very important for Christians that we don't give much attention to. So we're going to go to this slide here and use a teaching tool that I'm going to ask you to take a look at. All of us know that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. Amen? Amen. So that we could be forgiven of our sin. I think most of us who are here today, we understand that the Bible says that we were all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. So, So we're all in the same boat. We were all born sinners. If you believe that, would you say amen? amen? All of us. None of us escaped that. All of us were born into sin. All of us have a past. Is that true? I doubt there's very many people who are here today that would be comfortable, if I had the power to do so, 
to suddenly throw your past up on the screen and let all of us take a look. Now, how many of you would be uncomfortable with that? Most of us would. We wouldn't like that at all. Most of us in our life have had failures. Have you ever failed? You ever messed up? You ever messed it up real bad? Most of us have. So the fact that I've got sin and our past and our failures listed there, and that sometimes produces guilt, especially when the Holy Spirit begins to move in our hearts and lives, we have this um, this feeling that something's not right, and, and we call that conviction, and the Lord wants us to understand that we're sinners so that we then will repent and turn to Him. So the Lord came and died on the cross so that all of the penalty of our sin, we wouldn't have to bear ourselves, but He came to bear those sins for us. All the sin of the whole world, the Bible tells us, was put on Jesus as He hung on the cross. Which would explain to us why at one point the Lord cried out, My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? It was because Jesus was bearing the sin of the whole world. And for a moment in time, the Father turned His back on the Son. Because that's the only way He could experience what the penalty was that we deserved to be forsaken by God. So, on the other side, the right-hand side of the page, you'll see that across from sin, I've got the word pardon. Did you know we can be pardoned for our sins? We can be forgiven for our sins. May I say to you today, if you hear and, and you have, you think you have sinned so much, you have gone so far, or sinned so long that you can't be saved, may I say to you, you're wrong. Because God loves you enough to cleanse and wash and save you. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. And for those who have sinned, which is all of us, there comes a point in our lives when we have to make a decision. When we are confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that he hung on the cross for my sin... And he went to bear my sins so I wouldn't have to. All of that comes into play as we then repent of our sin and accept what he's done for us. Because God doesn't force his love or forgiveness on anyone. Amen. You have to accept him. You have to believe him. You have to appropriate what he's done by repenting of sin, confessing your sin, and asking him to be your savior. And then he's ready to say, yes, I'll accept you. I love you. I died for you. I want to save you. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your savior. So we see the pardon. Now, where we had a past on the left-hand side, we have a great future on the right-hand side. After we're forgiven, we have new life. We are born again. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And I'll get to it a little bit later, but when you're a new creature in Christ, what kind of things have passed away? Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. In other words, when you come to Christ and you are forgiven and you live for him, Something's going to change in your life. If you believe it, tell me amen. Amen. You then become a babe in Christ. Am I right? 
where you were in sin, you had a past, you had failures, you had guilt. You now accept the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Now you have pardon, you have new life, you're a new creature in Christ, you've experienced a new birth. The grace of God has come to you. You have believed, you have confessed, you have received. You're a believer, you're a babe in Christ. Now, some people would like to shame you for being a babe in Christ. Did you know that all of us were babes in Christ at one point if we're Christians? You see, you don't come to Jesus one day and experience that you're full grown and fully mature spiritually the next day. It doesn't work that way. There is a process through which we go. We, The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. There is a process of growth by which we, we receive what the Lord desires for us and wants for us and, and um, wants us to do or wants us not to do, and then we continue to grow. In other words, spiritual maturity is not instant. Perfection doesn't come overnight, does it? It takes a while to grow up. Which leads me to my next line of thinking. If you would watch this with me. Sometimes when we come to the Lord and when we're saved and when we're forgiven, we find that sometimes people still have addictions. They still have struggles and they still have habits. Maybe I should have put bad. Everybody has habits. I guess to be truthful, most of us have some bad habits. Amen? I know a lot of Christians been in church for years and got some bad habits. They don't know how to forgive people. They hold grudges. That's very unchristlike. See, so we might, if we're going to be real, we got to be real. Amen? And so the Bible tells us that when people come to the Lord and they're forgiven and they're saved, that doesn't make them perfect. They still struggle. And so some people have addictions, some have struggles, and some have habits. And and I'd like to pose the question, why do people who are saved still have addictions and struggles and habits? It's because there is something in us called inbred sin or Adamic sin. You see, when all of us were born sinners, right? I hope you understand why. It's because Adam sinned and all of us have come from Adam. So all of us are born in sin. All of us have that sin nature. All of us have that sin principle in us. And when we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. How many of you believe that God will forgive you for every sin you've committed? Amen. Amen. He will. But if you stop right there and you don't go any deeper with the Lord, he may have forgiven you for every sin you've committed, but there's a root in there that's going to sprout up again and start causing you to do all kind of things that you used to do before you got forgiven. Does that make sense? Sure it does. And so you'll notice addictions plus struggles plus habits, one plus one plus one equals inbred sin. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? How many of you know that inbred sin's a problem? Because if you got weeds in your garden, they're going to grow back up. If you got things in your heart that haven't been settled and washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, they're going to resurface again. And so the Bible teaches us that we need to, to be set apart. 
We need to be different from the world. Remember the verse I quoted a few moments ago, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and old things have what? Passed away and behold, all things have become new. You see, somehow or another, we've lost this, this tremendous life-changing transformational experience. We've dumbed it down in our culture to where it doesn't change people's lives anymore. But I want to tell you, coming to Jesus Christ and receiving what He has for you is life-changing. It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change what you drink. It'll change all kinds of things in your life. Amen. And so, the Bible... The Bible teaches us that we're babes in Christ. Now, how many perfect babies do you know? I know you think your baby's perfect, but but believe me, change one diaper and you know they're not. You get the point. Babies are not perfect. We love them, but they're not perfect. And God loves us, and we're not perfect. We're babes in Christ. But he has such high hopes for us. He has such goals for us that most of the time we, we, we aren't even aware that he desires to raise us up. He desires to elevate us. He, des, he desires to lift us, which was exactly what resurrecting means, right? He wants to raise us up, to bring us up, to lift us up. He wants to, to bring us out of certain things and situations in our lives. And you know what? He can do that through the resurrecting power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, right now, I'm not speaking of the resurrection that comes at the end of the, well, it's not the end of the road. It's the beginning, I guess, actually, when you receive your new body and you go be with the Lord forever and ever. But, but we kind of see that as the, the ultimate goal, the end. But I'm going to tell you what, before you ever get resurrected in that sense of a new body, he wants to resurrect us in so many ways. Now, I know that sounds foreign to some of you. But it's exactly what the Lord teaches us by example and in word. Think of this with me. There was a time when John, uh, when Jesus was told that Lazarus, his friend, was going to die. How many remember that in scripture? And so Jesus, knowing what was about to happen, said, um, well, Lazarus is sick, but we're not going to go. Don't worry about it. And so as Jesus tarried where he was and Lazarus was sick, the message came back days later that he was dead. Lazarus had died and Jesus did nothing. Well, Jesus knew what he was going to do all along, the Bible says. So Jesus goes to where Lazarus was and they, and everybody's crying and they're having the funeral proceedings and all this stuff is going on and the mourners are mourning and, and Lazarus' sisters come up to him and they talk to him and finally Jesus says, show me where you've laid him. And they took him to a tomb and the tomb had a stone and they rolled back the stone, the Bible says, just kind of, just like Jesus had a tomb with a stone on it. They rolled back the stone and Jesus stepped back. And what did he say? Lazarus, come forth. Now, this man who had been dead for four days, the Bible says, and he was already what? He was already stinking. And that's dead. No doubt. Lazarus has been dead four days. He's wrapped in graves cloths, very similar to what Jesus was. And Jesus went to the tomb of where Lazarus was and says, Lazarus, come forth. What did Lazarus do? 
He came forth. Jesus gave him new life. True? He was raised from the dead. Hey, any Bible believers here today? I believe Lazarus rose from the dead. I believe it with all my heart. And the Bible says, if you'll read that passage carefully, he's wrapped with grave clothes around his hands and his feet. And the Bible says he had a cloth around his head. So that means Lazarus comes out like this. He came out still stinking. Because the sin of all that he had been going through would be all over those clothes. And he came out still bound. Was he alive? He was alive. And then Jesus looked at him and said what? Said, loose him and let him go. And they took off those old trappings of death that he was wrapped in. They took off those grave clothes and they took off that cloth around his head. And, and he was, he was set free and a new man then. Wouldn't it have been a sad thing for Jesus to raise him from a dead, from the dead and leave him wrapped up in all of his stinky grave clothes? Yeah, you just, that's good. Thank God you're alive and move on. That's not the way he, he, he was only beginning. And when we come to Christ and we ask him to save us and he forgives us of our sin, I got a word for you today. Just beginning. That's just the beginning. Born again, just beginning. New life, babe in Christ, just beginning. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. And then he wants us to grow. We come out of the grave. We come out of this experience we call being born again sometimes into the new birth. And sometimes we still see people with addictions and struggles and habits because of that sin that's down deep that they were born with. It's the nature I'm talking about. The nature of sin. It's there. It'll cause you to sin again. And again. And again. But Jesus teaches us in his word in many different places. The word of God teaches us we can be set apart. The Lord told his people, come out from among them. And touch not the unclean thing. And be a separate people. You know, God wants his people to be a separate people from the world. We can't walk, talk, and act like everybody in the world acts. They can act crazy and act like devils if they want to. We can't do that, folks. We're born again. We're children of God. We can't respond like the world responds. We can't act like the world acts. We can't be like the world is because we are not, we are not of this world. We're in the world, Jesus said, but not of it. We're, we're different. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You, you don't fit in in this world, do you? It's like sometimes you feel like a fish out of water in this world. You turn on the television and everything you read is a slam against Christians and the Word of God. And goes against what the Word of God says. And you think, why can't, I hear this all the time, I can't find anything decent to watch on TV anymore. That's kind of the point. We live in a society where we're not comfortable anymore. Well, congratulations. We're not supposed to be comfortable in this world. We're supposed to be bothered by what's going on in this world. And we're supposed to recognize that other people need salvation and they need Jesus. Because this world is headed for trouble. So we're to be set apart. We're supposed to be different. We can be cleansed. 
That means washed. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus so we're saved and our sins are forgiven but we still got addictions and struggles and habits we need some help And God has given the cure for that. It's to be set apart and cleansed and changed, transformed. And one plus one plus one on this side equals the biblical word sanctify. And I'm using a biblical word so you'll know what it means. Not only do we need our sins forgiven, but we need for the Lord to sanctify us. That is to set it apart. Listen, you get ready to eat supper... You go to a restaurant and you get ready to eat and you take your napkin and you unfold your fork and your spoon and your knife and you look at that fork and it's got dried food on it. I promise you, you're not happy with it and you don't use it. Amen. You want a fork that's sanctified. Right. You want a fork that's been cleansed and washed and set apart that you can use and feel good about it. And that's what the Lord wants from us. He wants us not to just pray a prayer and say, oh, now all my sins are forgiven now. And we keep doing the same things we've always done. He wants us to repent of our sin, yes. But then he wants us to get so dear and close to him and allow the blood of Jesus to work in our lives. He wants to wash us and cleanse us so that we quit doing the filthy stuff we used to do. Listen, he wants to lift us up out of our addictions. He wants to raise us up out of our depression. He wants to pull us out of the sin that's in our life. In other words, he wants to resurrect us. That's what resurrect means, to lift up, raise up, pull up. He wants to do that in our lives. He doesn't save you to leave you like you were. He saves you to change you. Amen? So when we say that, uh, as the title of the sermon is, the resurrected king is resurrecting me, I want us to understand that's what it's talking about. He's raising us. He's lifting us. He's elevating us. His power and spirit is at work in our lives. Wow. Easter is about victory and resurrection, both of which pertain to eternity, to be sure, and both of which also pertain to the here and now. Let me give you another example of Jesus lifting somebody up in his power. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, or shortly after the day of Pentecost, was going to the temple one day, and there was a man who was lame, had been laying at the temple for a long, long time, many, many years. And this man looked at Jesus and said, I want some what? I want some money. He was asking for alms. He was asking for money. Can you give me a handout? Can you spare a few bucks? Peter looked at him and said, now this man was lame. He, he hadn't walked in years. He was a pitiful soul. He'd been there. 
he was a fixture at the gate. He was there every day. This time, however, as Peter walked through being filled with the Holy Spirit now, the Bible says this man looked at Peter and said, and asked for alms. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now, what did Peter do? The Bible said, the, the Bible didn't say that the man jumped up and was healed. The Bible says that Peter took him by the right hand and pulled him up. And when he did that, then the man was healed and began to run, leaping and praising God for what God had did. See, that, listen, that's a great picture of what the Lord wants to do for us. He wants to lift us up. How many of you would like to be lifted up a little bit? That's exactly what Jesus wants to do for us. You're struggling with addictions. You struggle with your past. You struggle with guilt. You struggle with unforgiveness. You struggle in your marriage. You struggle on your job. You got all kinds of problems. Sure, we want to be lifted up. Amen. And Jesus is willing to lift us up. He wants to lift us up. He wants to help us. By His Spirit, He wants to reach down and elevate us, lift us, bring us, pull us out of our mess, and cause us to be victorious for Him. Because I'm going to tell you, there's victory in Jesus. Amen? One more illustration. You become a Christian, and Jesus says, one of the first things we need to do is to do what? We need to be baptized. Now look at the picture of being baptized. You take this person who has new life, right? They're born again. It does you no good to be baptized if you haven't been born again. Baptism doesn't save you. You've heard me say it before. If you go into the water a wet center, you're going to come up. Or if you go into the water a dry center, you're going to come up a wet center. Baptism doesn't save you. But after you've been saved... You come to the Lord in water baptism because it is an open profession. It tells everybody, I'm a believer and I've accepted the Lord. And so what you do is you basically are mimicking what Jesus did. Amen? You go down in death and you come up washed and cleansed and committed to the Lord Jesus. Walking in obedience to Him. Saying, Lord, I'm going to follow your example I'm going to do what you want me to do. That's what the Lord wants to do for us. Only He can change our hearts. Only He can break our addictions. Only He can heal our marriages. Only He can open doors that will help solve our problems. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's able to do this. In fact, He loves doing those things for us. He desires to do those things for us. He wants to do those things for us. But so many times we come to him and we pray the prayer, the sinner's prayer, and he saves us and it's like we squat. And we don't move after that because we think I've arrived. You haven't arrived. You're just a babe in Christ. Now he wants you to grow and grow and get stronger and thrive and accomplish something for him. That's for all of us. He wants to clean us up. The Bible says that he wants to cleanse us of all 
ungodliness and unrighteousness, flesh and spirit. He wants to do a work in our lives. It's a really strange way to end a sermon. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to sing a song you've never heard before probably. That's not easy. But I'm going to ask you to pay particular attention to these words. And there are parts of this song you'll be able to sing, believe me. Because you'll hear it enough times you'll catch it really quick. Those are the ones I'd like for you to sing. If you can't sing at all, that's fine. Listen to the words. Comprehend the words. And let's sing this song. It's titled, Resurrecting.
Oh, no. 
Thank you, Lord.
someday, because you're a Christian, according to the Bible, you will rise from the dead. There will be a resurrection. But before that time, and until that time, the Lord wants to lift us up. He wants to elevate us. He wants to bring us out of some things. God wants to bless his people. You know, the scripture tells us that we need to be obedient to the upward call of God. He wants to bring us up. He wants to lift us up. He wants to raise us up. God wants to bless you. Talk about addictions. They can be gone. Talk about your past. It can be forgiven. Talk about what a mess things are in your life. The the Lord can straighten those things out. He works miracles. That's his specialty. All we have to do is call on him. When you've prayed the prayer, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know I am. Please save me. Forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if we'll do that, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he's not finished. He wants to clean you up, wash you, set you apart. He wants to use you to let your light shine in this world and make a difference for him. He wants to lift you up. Oh, so many songs are going through my head right now about that. We could sing them, but we're not going to. Instead, we're going to pause and without any music at all, we're going to lift up this, this prayer to the Lord as our closing prayer today. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. We'll do this again next Sunday if you'll show up. Thank you.